As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. High in the air, Brito back at the wall, adios, Pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get energy. They're going to get accountability. They're going to get structure, and they're going to get support. And I'm going to bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work, uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're going to get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 180 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I am Grant Brisby. I'm here with Andy Baggerly. Andy, two giant hitters uh, have 180 hits in the San Francisco era, Willie Mays and Hunter Pence. Uh, Willie Mays in 59, Hunter Pence in 2014. That's a heck of a crew. Yeah. Wow. I will do a 180 when I hear those two names. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought you were going to do a strikeout one, and I'd be like, oh, he did a 180 right back to the dugout. Uh, but oh, can't do anything with hits. Can't make that joke. But uh, yeah, Willie Mason, 100 Pence, they've been in the same room together. You do a, a 180 back to the bag. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Um, Hunter Pence is going to be doing some Giants games this year in addition to MLB Network. And and uh, he's all over your social media feeds. You you cannot escape Hunter Pence, whether you like it or not. And I'm sure you like it because who doesn't like Hunter Pence? Hunter Pence is uh, a fantastic human being and he is pretty darn good at the color commentary thing. Uh, when he did, he had to fill in. He told the story about it was very, very, you know, sudden. It wasn't like, you know, here's going to be my, my first color commentary experience. It was It was more like this plane got missed. This plane got canceled. Hunter, please come in. And he did a great job <laughs> considering. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. But we're not here to talk about Willie Mays and Hunter Pence more than usual. We're here to talk about the 2022 Giants. And specifically because we talked on Monday before the start of the Mets series. Then there was a rainout. Then there was a doubleheader. So now we have two games of evidence that the Mets are the best team in baseball and the Giants are the worst. Is that is that fair? Yes, that's fair. Just as it's fair for you to say that Hunter Pence is the second best podcast uh, co-host you've ever had. <laughs> this is this is entirely true. This is entirely true. I, I have my dedication to uh, Andy McCullough. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Um, 
Yeah, you know, I mean, Andy McCullough is is kind of quasi covering the Mets a little bit now because um, Tim Britton, our Mets uh, uh, beat reporter, is about to go on paternity leave. So congratulations to Tim and his family. And you're going to be reading a lot more Andy McCullough on the Mets. So that'll be interesting. Um, but uh, yeah, the, I mean, we, we talked about it, I think, on the last podcast that, you know, quietly the Mets were right there with the Dodgers and Giants for the teams that are really off to the best start. And um, and the Mets were, were pumped. I mean, they, they won a doubleheader. Um, they they beat Logan Webb. They were the first. Uh, uh, Logan Webb came what eighteen days short of a full calendar year without taking a loss, and <laughs> and the Mets hung one on him. So um, you know they got a lot to feel good about. Uh, a team that's gathering momentum, and you know for the Giants, obviously it was not their best day. They they caught some bad breaks, uh, both in batted balls and. Uh, um, and, and obviously Alex Cobb hitting the injured list. Uh, and it just sort of shows you that, hey, you know what? Just when you think that you're impenetrable, uh, it's baseball. And the only dumber thing than being overconfident in September is being overconfident in April. You're going to run into uh, bumps and bruises and ruts in the schedule. And, and uh, a rotation that could not have started off the year better is is going to be a little challenged here and certainly had a challenging day in the doubleheader. Yeah, it is. When I would, after the Giants, when they were on their five-game winning streak, I would tweet out something snarky like the Giants are on pace for 126 wins finally they're improving from last year or something like that and the the idea was haha but also it was to sort of point out like this isn't real you know they're not going to win 126 games I know that they have won seven of nine that's not going to continue what you're seeing right now is that that's not how real baseball works and you see it because there are going to be games where uh, you're cruising and then all of a sudden you look up and it's a ball that hits off the base it's uh, a call that doesn't necessarily go your way it's a pitcher limping off of the groin injury it's Mike Yastrzemski's uh, home run ball getting caught in the warning track like that's just gonna happen you just hope that it doesn't happen in 90 to 100 games and that you're in the postseason because of it. But it's it's so easy when you start the season watching a baseball team that looks this good. It's easy to jump to the other conclusion a lot quicker. Yeah. And, you know, I told myself that I was not going to look at Twitter mentions or if I did, I would look at them sparingly this year. When you're covering a doubleheader, you've got a lot of downtime <laughs> and you need to distract yourself. And so I was looking at my Twitter mentions. Friend, that was not a good idea because <laughs> this lineup, they didn't do anything to improve it. Da, da, da. Maybe that'll be proven right in the end. Maybe, you know, it's certainly an, an opinion that, uh, that anyone is entitled to. But I don't think that's the reason they lost, you know, these these two games. I mean, Brandon Crawford smoked a ball in the 10th inning of game yes. one that had an expected average of like over 700. And it was a liner at somebody. And it would have been first and third with a run in and one out. And instead, you know, it's it's the second out and they don't they don't get the runner home and they lose in the bottom of the 10th. Um, you know, and then Yastrzemski's ball has, a, has an expected average of, you know, 570. And, and that means that it had an expected home run expectancy of 570 because that ball's either caught or out, right? Um so uh, on, even on a different night uh, uh, at City Field in that same ballpark, it might have been a home run. But this is just there's there's just ample room down that uh, right field line here. And so, you know, it, it ended up being it, uh, it could have been a homer that took uh, Logan Webb off the hook and tied the game in the eighth. And instead it was an out. So, um, you know, and they faced Max Scherzer in his Mets debut in game two. So, you know, that he's going to be super amped up and he's going to be on his game. He's a guy. We know who always rises to the occasion. So I don't think you can really make too much of, of what the offense did last year. But I will say a big positive, and I made sure to note this in my story, is that, you know, they have 11 relievers. They use 10 of them uh, over the, the span of the doubleheader. They use all their frontline guys trying to chase down that win in, in game one. 
Uh, and that left them, you know, they could have used Tyler Rogers or any of those other guys again. Teams do that. Um, but they're behind, so they didn't. So they threw their back-end guys. And it was, you know, John Brebia, and it was Zach Littell, and it was Junior Marte, and Sammy Long. And those guys did not allow a run after Logan Webb left the game. They went the final four and change. Uh, and they they almost gave the, the Giants the chance to hunt down that win from behind. Like, so many uh, of their wins came fr- from that way last year. And that's not the front line of their bullpen. That's the back end of their bullpen. Ten guys pitched ten innings, and the only run that they allowed was the Manford man off of Harleen Garcia, which is, of course, an unearned run. So, I mean, I I don't know. I think overall you could say that it was a positive day for, for in terms of, you know, what this might portend uh, for this Giants team in terms of the, the pitching. I mean, the pitching has just been really, really good. Yeah, other than the injuries, it's, it's hard not to be impressed with their run prevention and, and all that stuff against the Mets, who have a scary lineup. It's a legitimate lineup. And I, look, when I used to write about April baseball in the, uh, you know, last decade, it was always just sort of like plug your nose and you either go with, oh, this means nothing, or I'm just going to take a wild stab at a theory. Maybe it's wrong. I don't know. It's It was impossible to write about April baseball. Now you have a little bit more, like you can pop the hood and you can look at uh, underlying metrics. Are the Giants chasing more? Are the Giants swinging at bad pitches more? How are they hitting the ball when they hit them? And so the Giants, they lead the National League in average exit velocity. They're at the top of the league in barrels per plate appearance. They're not chasing. They have good metrics as as it goes to controlling a strike zone. And when you start looking at all that, they lead the National League in outs over 320 feet, which means it, it confirms what you're seeing, that Darren Ruff is hitting like a warning track out seemingly every other plate appearance. And all you can do is say, yeah, at some point, this is probably going to change. Like, it's probably the process is sound. Trust the process, as they say. And when the weather warms up, I don't know. When the luck gets better, they'll start doing damage with this good process. And that's about all you can do. And it's good that we can say this. And they're seven and four. and They're not four and seven. And we're not trying to make excuses. I think they've done a good job so far this season. But I still think there's room for them to get even better offensively. Yeah, Tyro Estrada, he's got a few homers, but he's also got a few really, really long outs too. And he, he made another one in the doubleheader as well that I thought was gone off the bat. And, you know, it was interesting to read Jeff Passan in ESPN today um, writing about potential changes to the baseball and and, uh, and whether the ball is less lively uh, than it was. And, and I don't know I, how much of that is a factor of early season and temperature. I guess they controlled for that and found that it is a decrease even based on year to year in, in average temperatures. So, you know, if the humidors are having an impact and making the balls a little bit heavier, Heavier, you know, not quite as much uh, springy or, or dried out or Titleist type uh, baseballs, then that maybe has made an impact on a team like the Giants that hit a lot of, you know, uh, like you said, 320 foot outs. So you wonder, you will just have to watch that going forward and see if that is true over the long haul. But I think you make a good point. It's really, really easy to tell a hitter if you're a hitting coach, hey, look, don't worry, you're doing the right things. It's when you change things and, and start to, to get yourself out of a slump. Uh, or a perceived slump that that hitters get themselves into trouble. So the more that you can reinforce that they're doing things right and just to be patient for the results, uh, I think that could really, you know, do a lot to help a hitter's confidence. Um, it can do a lot to help them not make changes that are going to end up 
you know, being harmful or, or counterproductive. Um, and that's, I think that's one of the cool things about modern baseball and modern instruction. And um, I, this is definitely a coaching staff that is equipped to do that and do it well. I did not see that Jeff pass an article and that uh, piques my interest, especially because I just filed before hopping on this podcast, uh, a story that's basically about that, where if the baseball is changed, if the humidor is making a, a bigger difference, if the seams are higher and the aerodynamics of the baseball are different, that's going to affect affect the Giants a little bit more than most teams, perhaps, because last year they set uh, a franchise record in home runs. They hit by most metrics. They're barreling the ball the most. They have one of the highest or they had one of the higher sweet spot percentages last year. They did almost everything better than the other teams, except for average home run distance, average exit velocity. And it made me think, OK, this this is a team that is hitting brainy home runs. Uh, it's attack plans that are executed well. They're not Aaron Judge getting up there and just barreling one or, or getting one off the end of the bat that goes out to right field. It's not Michael Morse in game five of the 2014 NLCS where he kind of hit that one off the bat from off Pat Neshek. And it wasn't like the, the biggest, brawniest home run that Michael Morse ever had. It was a home run because he was just that strong. The 2021 Giants weren't hitting their home runs like that. And it, the 2022 Giants are basically the same team. And other than Jock Peterson, they don't have these, you know, really, they've got Austin Slater and Lamont Wade Jr. and Mike Yastrzemski, who are, you know, fast twitch guys, who are athletic guys. They have power, but it's not that, you know, big, big, beefy power. And if the baseball's different, if it's heavier, man, like that could affect the Giants a little bit more than other teams. And for a team that's built on the margins, could be a big story. It'd be kind of cool if you actually like broke it down, like uh, put home runs in buckets. Like these are precision home runs and these are big, big, beefy home runs, you know, uh, like like you could put it on the backs of baseball cards, right? You'd have home runs and then you'd break it down by, um, I guess you could put PHR for precision home runs and BBBHR for big, Big, bad, what, what did we say? Big, bad, bold, beefy home runs. So, yeah, I'm sure you could do that. Yeah, no, you probably could because when it, when Austin Slater, I mean, you've seen Austin Slater get into one. It, it's not like he is uh, a small guy or a weak guy. You know, I don't want to make that the what I'm trying to talk about. But when he hits a home run, it's, it's like the plan being executed more than, whoops, I accidentally ran into one. Like, you know what I mean? It's just, it's the Giants are built a little bit differently than these big slugging teams. Like even like the 1989 A's or something like that. Like if you go back in history, the teams that hit home runs were generally like these dudes that look like they hit a lot of home runs. The Giants aren't, you know, with a couple exceptions, a team that looks like they hit a bunch of home runs. No, I, I've stood next to Tyro Estrada. I, I, I've stood next to Tommy LaStella. And you, if you saw Tommy LaStella just walk into a footlocker at the mall, you'd be like, that guy could not hit a ball out of a major league park. There's no way. <laughs> and I, I don't mean this to sound, you know, cruel to Tommy LaStella, but he's not a big guy. You know, uh, he's, um, there are very few people that I look down at in a major league clubhouse because I'm taller than, and uh, you wonder how, I mean, when he hits them, you know, they, they, they go, you know, they're, they're not just uh, front row you know, scrapers. So um, there, there clearly is a lot of technique involved in barreling a ball. And, uh, and, and we know that they, they, they know how to do it with with the launch angle these days, and and with a lot of the swing mechanics and and the biomechanics that they have. Um, yeah, you're right. There there are people who use technique to hit home runs, and uh, and you see it too in uh, on the golf range. You see these guys who um, you know aren't aren't very big at all, and they can bomb it you know 330 yards. And you think, okay, I know your driver is probably more expensive than my driver, but that's not the whole story here. Um, <laughs> 
and, and yeah, it, it is amazing what 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 the you know the human body can be trained to do, and and uh, and the kind of potential that can be unlocked. But there is still, you know, just like you have, well, you know, do you want the guy who throws you know 101 and doesn't know where it's going versus the guy who is more of a command pitcher who throws strikes? Velocity allows you to get away with mistakes. I mean, mm. power at the plate, like you said, allows you to get away with mistakes. You could be a, a Mike Piazza and get jammed up and in and, and, and have it sneak over that short, you know, right field fence in the right field corner at Dodger Stadium. I remember seeing him do that off Kurt Schilling a long, long, long time ago uh, in a different era of baseball. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's it's like he mishit that. He got jammed and it went out, you know, and that's that's what the big, big, beefy power will do. It'll allow you to not only get away with mistakes, uh, mistake contact, but but hit it out. And uh, and the Giants don't have a lot of that. So I think, uh, yeah, I think that's a really good point. It is uh, just before we move on to the rotation, what they're going to do uh, in the absence of Alex Cobb. I just want to say I, it's it's exhausting to read another story or hear another story about, oh, um, uh, Major League Baseball did this with the ball. They tried this with the humidor. They're doing this. Uh, it just it is so exhausting. I just I would prefer, you know, other than what was it, 1987, the rabbit ball. Like, I just like the old era of baseball where you you just assume that the baseball was the freaking baseball and that it didn't have all this impact on what was happening on the field. You know, you just have to be patient, Grant, and wait about, you know, 40 or 50 years down the line when the ball becomes a holographic projection. <laughs> and then, you know. An NFT. It, Right. And it won't, you won't have to wonder about where they sourced the cowhide or how tightly they were wound or, or what the, <laughs> what the political situation is in Costa Rica. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it, it is got to be frustrating. It's got to be frustrating for the pitchers. It's got to be frustrating for the hitters. You know, they're going to come up with a ball that has more of a, a pre-tackified, um, stuff on it. Uh, they, they already use a ball like that in Japan. So, um, you know, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I, I'm sure they're doing a lot of R and D on this, but the fact that there's been so little transparency about it, I think, is is the big problem. And that that would solve so many problems. Like, look, we're trying to get this right. We're trying to make the game, you know, fair and equitable and consistent um, for pitchers and for hitters. But all this is happening behind closed doors, and, and even you know they're not even acknowledging sometimes when it's happening. So um, I think that's the big thing that I kind of look at it. With a, with a bit of a grimace. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yesterday, I was talking with other podcast Andy uh, before we started recording, and he said, yeah, gosh, the Giants, Giants are good, huh? And I said, well, they are pretty darn good. Alex Cobb and Carlos Rodon are revelations. It's just a matter of keeping them healthy. And then a monkey paw or something, a lightning flash, thunder rumbled, and then Alex Cobb is holding his groin in a 
baseball sense on the way back from the dugout. This is kind of the plan. Like the Giants knew they weren't going to get 200 innings from Alex Cobb in Carlos Rodon. Um, but now that Alex Cobb is hurt early, it sort of puts the plan into a different perspective. Like, uh, oh boy, we have to go to our contingency plans a lot earlier than we thought. What are those contingency plans? Sean Jelly made his start last night. So is bullpen game, is it going to be Sammy Long, Tyler Beatty? What, what are their plans? Yeah, I would think so. We'll probably get a little more clarity on that, um, you know, in, in either later today or, or tomorrow. Um, and and the, the thing that I, I'm going to be interested to see is, is I'm sure they're going to do an MRI on Alex Cobb, which, you know, um, I... I, I don't want the visual of someone getting their groin MRI'd. I'm not sure how that works. <laughs> don't move. Don't move. Don't move. Don't move anything. Don't move that. Um, but yeah, so he'll probably get an MRI and, uh, and he didn't think that he felt anything really tear. Uh, it, it was, he did not think it was major. They obviously had to make the move immediately so they could have, uh, you know, Junior Marte on the roster for the second game, which he chipped in a scoreless inning. Um, it is still April. So the, Injured list for pitchers is 10 days, not 15. It's going to move to 15 in May. So you've got that going for you, Alex Cobb. And if he ends up missing just one start, um, you know, obviously it's not the end of the world. But, you know, until we see uh, what what they tell us the MRI says, um, really hard to know whether this is a one start thing or a one month thing. Uh, Either way, we knew as soon as uh, Monday's game rained out uh, and Tuesday would be a doubleheader, that they would need to get another start from somewhere because that's what happens when you play six games in five days. Uh, you don't have anyone rested on day number six so um, or day number five. So uh, Saturday in Washington, uh, unless they fold someone in earlier, uh, would look to be, I would imagine it'll be Sammy Long and a bit of a bullpen game. You know, they still have uh, the expanded roster through the end of the month. So, you know, it, it, it doesn't come at the worst possible time, which is kind mm-hmm. of funny to say, given that they're in the middle of a, a four city 11 game road trip without a day off. But it really, with the expanded roster, it, it, it does come at a reasonably decent time. And, um, and we'll see if, if, you know, they, they can, Logan Webb and Alex Cobb pitched on the same day, right? So, um, it's not like they have to have someone take Cobb's next turn because, Cobb's next turn is Webb's next turn. So um, Webb could pitch on the Sunday in um, Washington. Uh, and then um, if they move Webb up to pitch on regular rest again, they could go all the way until May 7th, I believe, without needing a fifth starter. Now, we know that they tend to give their pitchers extra rest. They, they tend to treat it like a marathon, which is what it is. So we'll see if they end up filling the gaps with more bullpen games or whatever. But the fact that everyone pitched the way that they did uh, in the double header out of the bullpen, I think gives them some reasonable peace of mind that, hey, if they have to sort of piece it together for a little while, that's not the worst thing in the world. I mean, you know, they, they took possession of the NL West lead last year when they threw their second consecutive bullpen game and beat Walker Bueller. So <laughs> clearly they're, they're not afraid to do that. Now, help me talk this through because I really don't have an opinion on this question I'm about to ask you. Um, let me li- list off the times Alex Cobb has been on the IL in his career. Uh, it, it, I'm going to start from the earliest in 2011, thoracic outlet syndrome. He's been on the IL with concussion, an oblique strain, Tommy John, turf toe, groin strain, lumbar strain, hip impingement, finger blister, right wrist inflammation. That is in order. And I I can't figure out if I would rather have a pitcher like that, who's almost like playing a a game of operation and hitting every part on his body, rather than a pitcher who's like constantly shoulder, 
Shoulder. Got the shoulder working. Shoulder's a little hot again. Shoulder or, you know, elbow. Elbow, elbow. I can't figure out which pitcher I would rather have. I think it's Cobb. Like, I think it's like you can't say that Cobb is injury prone. It's just he's had a little one of everything. He's still got some on the bingo card, right? There's water on the knee. There's um, <laughs> there's funny, funny bone. What what else? It's been a long time. There's Grant. that rubber it's been a long band. Time. The rubber band was always the easy one. He gives it going and you go, boink. Water on the knee sucked. <laughs> I just remember that that, uh, my mom and dad would be very, very happy when my brothers and I would play Operation because it was so much calmer than when we would play Hungry Hungry Hippos. That would just (laughs) cause a racket throughout the house. Whoever designed that game or the thing, the the little popcorn popper thing that that, that toddlers walk around with. Oh, yeah. I remember thinking, if you like give that to to someone at a baby shower, you're just basically giving them (laughs) a big F you. Come on, what are you... No one wants one of those in the house. It's a drum um, set. It's just basically a portable drum set that you can have exactly, with. exactly. But uh, I, I, so I've, I've now forgotten what your point was, and I apologize. <laughs> just, but we can it, talk about childhood board games for the next twenty minutes if you want. Just would you rather have a pitcher like Cobb who kind of like checks off the bingo card, or would you rather have a, a pitcher like Cobb if you're like knowing that you're signing a pitcher with a history of injuries? Would you rather have a Cobb or someone who just keeps having the same problem with his knee, back, elbow, whatever, whatever? Oh, like it's one chronic injury as opposed yeah. to a whole bunch of stuff. Like what, what do you think would be easier to manage? I would imagine that the variety is the spice of life, I guess. Um, <laughs> if you have one thing that you know is a problem, like Rob Nen's shoulder, for example, they tried forever to get it right. Uh, they thought they had him all the way back once and it just it just wasn't going to happen. It just wasn't in there anymore. So I think I would take you know the, the guy who, who has healed up from various injuries where you think that, that, okay, he's probably got that in the rearview mirror that's over and done with. You know, you don't have thoracic outlet syndrome surgery twice. They take out the rib, they take out the rib, right? Um, So, you know, yeah, I I would imagine that uh, I'd rather have someone who has, um, you know, more varied injury history than than one thing that, you know, could be career threatening. Um, But, you know, it's it's also the Giants are going to have pitchers like that because they select for pitchers like that. Um, that, That's why they have an Alex Cobb and a Carlos Rodon uh, and, and and not, you know, those guys didn't get $100 million offers. It's because of their injury history. So it's kind of baked into um, their whole philosophy of giving you know, pitchers shorter term contracts and saying, okay, you know, we know what you look like right now. And we feel like that's more predictive for next year than what Kevin Gosman is going to look like five years from now. Um, and, you know, I think for the most part, that's a pretty sound way to look at it. Now, let's talk about Logan Webb and his start against the Mets, his first loss, like he said, in almost a full calendar year. Uh, what was going on there? Because that was as uh, off as he's been since at least last September. He had that nightmare inning against the Padres last September. Uh, and, you know, he kind of righted the ship after that. And, and only the first inning was the bad one. So this was velocity was down. Command was spotty. Control was spotty. He just he just never got right. Is it something to be worried about? Is it something he seemed like he was worried about? I can't imagine. It just was one of those nights, right? I mean, he just he was pretty vague about it. He just said it was a weird night. It was just weird, weird to maybe he got thrown off by pitching the second game. Um, You know, yeah, it's it just uh, clearly he just felt off. And I think, you know, that does happen sometimes. And, you know, there will be nothing that will make people feel better than to see Logan Webb go right back out there in his next start, uh, presumably in Washington and 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 shove again and just show it was a blip. I mean, you know, Garrett Cole certainly has not pitched very well to start the year. There's a number of guys who are 
you know, ace or ace adjacent that are not off to great starts and, and, and bad starts happen. You know, it's, uh, what, what did Cole do? He struck out the side in the first inning and then walked five in the second or something in, in Detroit the other day. So, um, you know, you can just lose a feel for it out there. And uh, the fact it was cold probably didn't help. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it. but you're right. It was It was just one of those days where he was off. And I don't think really it's we should make too much of it unless, you know, he backs that up with, you know, two or three more starts that look like that. And, uh, and we'll only have to wait and see how that plays out. It's a testament to how consistent he's been. And one thing that's impressed me when he's going right is his economy. He just he would always get into the seventh inning with 80 pitches, 90 pitches. And, and that's a function of him getting guys to beat the ball into the ground, maybe getting two outs for the price of one. Uh, there's a lot of different reasons for it, but it's also filling up the strike zone. So to see a start like the you know the one against the Mets was just so jarring. And it's one of those kind of contrasting starts that makes you realize, hot dang, this guy has been so good for so long. It's just become natural. And 12 months ago at this time, we were not talking about Logan Wem a whole lot on this year podcast. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's it's a great reminder, isn't it? I mean, um, and, and and yeah, it's uh, you look back and, and he hadn't walked more than two batters and 18 starts in a row or something. And, and you think, gosh, that's that's just really, really impressive because I don't think any of us assumed that he really was a guy who knew where it was going uh, or, or was maybe even afraid to pitch away from contact and not fill up the strike zone, you know, just barely a year ago. So, um, yeah, when the lights came on, they certainly did. And, and uh, um, you know, talking to people around the team, I don't think there's there's a whole lot of, you know, like like Gabe Kapler said, you know, it wasn't about the streak he was on. It's about who he is. And, uh, and he's going to be the same guy when he goes out there next time. All right. So what is going to happen for the rest of this road trip? I'm like lost. When this, this road trip is even half over, correct? Or is it, is it exactly half over? Well, it's five down and six mm-hmm. to go. Yeah. The, there's Jeez. two more games and two more games in New York. And then it's a four game series. And, and then uh, Washington uh, for three, and then uh, oh oh sorry that this this nonstop flight to San Francisco has to make an unannounced stop in let me looky here Milwaukee Wisconsin. <laughs> for, Are you making for that stop one, for one game? No, I am not. Um, I was going to, but it's uh, it's just uh, you're not getting enough bang for your buck here. So um, I, I will be uh, flying home that day and probably listening to the game on some sweet sweet in flight Wi Fi. Um, but uh, yeah, so they're folding in one game against Milwaukee, and you know, it, every team's going to have these weird things where they have to mash in some of the games that um, that the lockout, you know, wiped out <clears throat> in the first week of the season, um, and and you know, the three games against the Padres that uh, they were supposed to have to start the year, that's going to be the series that they tack on to the very very end, uh, as will be the case for all teams. But it's that second series that's. You know, it's it's just not going to be convenient for almost anyone. And at least one game comes um, with the expanded roster here. And then the other two games, they're going to come in the middle of a road trip to L.A. and Chicago um, where there was an off day in the middle. And now they're going to have to play a doubleheader. And that's going to be in September when they'll have an expanded roster. So they won't have to at least get on another plane. They can just bus up to Milwaukee for the, that doubleheader in September. Uh, and in, in, in all cases, they'll have at least 
uh, an expanded roster and, and, and the extra person for a doubleheader as well. So, you know, when you think about it, it could be worse. And you're going to Washington, correct? I will be in Washington, yes. Do they just land the plane on the, the press box and you get to walk out and you just get to watch the game from uh, <laughs> way up high on the mountain? Um, yeah, basically. I, I think that, uh, you know, in, in the press box, they have the little oxygen masks that will descend <laughs> just like they do on the plane. Uh, for those that don't know what we're talking about, it's probably the highest press box in the major leagues and and the broadcasters are uh, are one level above us so it's pretty ridiculous um I, I think Dwayne Kuyper has said that you know hits it high hits it deep he can't say with quite the same amount of energy because it often would be hits it high hits it deep oh that's a pop flight of short uh, <laughs> you, you have no depth perception from way up there so um but you know that is also the press box uh where um I did the most brilliant thing I've ever done in my life yes. which is um you know game uh, what was it? Game three of the NLDS in 2014. They opened the windows. The, the, the temperature dropped about 40 degrees in the span of two hours. All of us were wearing, you know, thin little, you know, um, uh, sport coats and we totally froze, uh, totally froze. The wind was just whipping in the press box all night. Lowell Cohn was sitting next to me. He actually did die. Uh, God rest his soul rest during the game. Yeah. Um, but uh, they, so they didn't have any food service back there for us. They just had box lunches, but they did have the hot dog roller machine. So I turned that puppy on and uh, <laughs> went back and held my hands over those hot, hot dog rollers between every inning so that I could feel my fingers, so that I could type my story. And and soon I was joined by Jeff Passan and about five other people were all just warming our hands. Imagine like eight sports writers warming their hands over this hot dog roller machine in the back in between innings. It was uh it was it was delightful. The baseball It wasn't writer. delightful. No, it wasn't delightful, but it, but it was memorable. <laughs> the baseball writer hobo like a Venn diagram just, you know, warming your hands over the burning trash can. Now, it, it yeah. always the the Washington press box always fascinated me. I think there's a couple others press I don't know how much fans actually want to hear about this stuff and how much is navel gazing. But it, I I remembered to bring that up because apparently the Mariners are moving their press box. They have a great press box and they're moving it next year to, you know, God knows where. And it just makes me appreciate the San Francisco Giants baseball associates for where their press box is. It truly is the best press box in baseball, I think. Oh, man. Oh, man. And I hope they don't I move it. I shouldn't prepare for that to go away, should I? Oh, I no. don't know. That's what I think. Like when I see the Mariners, because it's look, it's valuable real estate. But when I'm there, I go there to cover games for a, a lot of different reasons. But one of the main ones is that I focus on the actual baseball game much more than I would if I'm watching at home on TV because it's right there. Yeah, that's interesting because I, I I can tend to sometimes go the other direction. If it's on TV, I'm I'm able to see it better. Um, and in fact, now I I. I always have, you know, I, I have, um, I get the games on, you know, streaming platforms. So I'll, I'll always have the game up in front of me on a laptop screen as I'm, you know, watching the game live. And that way I can see things on like a 15 second delay and, and kind of see things twice and see where pitches are actually going and how they're moving. Um, but I was finding that I would pay more <laughs> close attention pitch to pitch watching on TV than if I was at the park because people aren't coming up and talking to you or, or there's fewer distractions. Um, so, but being able to do both is like awesome. I can actually see where pitches are going and, and, and watch the game kind of twice and soak up the atmosphere of actually 
usually be in there. All right. This has been episode 180 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. We will be back on Monday. We'll know what happened to the Nationals. Thanks uh, to everyone for listening. Absolutely zero thanks to the puppy who was bringing me a stuffed caterpillar throughout the entire podcast. Did you hear the clicking of toenails on the hardwood floor? I was wondering what that was. I just figured you were doing... Yeah, I figured you were just doing some self-maintenance or something. So Hopefully some of that can be edited out, but goodness, this dog is an idiot. Um, you, gentle listener, are not, and we appreciate you. Thanks for listening. <laughs>